0: Hey, everybody. Hello. Before we get started, just a quick request for you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Do it. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more people we'll be able to find, the more we can grow the community, and the more we can do with this wonderful little nostalgia fantasy podcast, if I do call it wonderful myself. And now the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies.
1: Dragon Babies.
0: We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they're maybe even better for adults. Yes, we do. This week, Into the Land of the Unicorns by Bruce Koval. Book one of the Unicorn Chronicles. I feel
1: like we should get like a sound effect of like like sparkly like chimes exactly or yeah exactly like, what I was
0: thinking a full chime in our little <laughs> recording studio would be perfect especially because having listened to the full cast audiobook for this there were a lot of musical interludes a lot <laughs> now I'm expecting them to it just was a choice drill behind me every time I say anything even a little bit interesting or yeah. important this book was published in 1994 and it is the first in a quartet of chronicles. About the unicorns and luster, the land in which they live. I didn't realize it was a quartet.
1: I think I've read all of
0: them. I think you have. I have definitely read the first and also the second. Yeah,
1: the second one's a lot longer than the first. And the version yeah. of the book that we have with us is a combination of the first and the second.
0: We're going to start off with a quick little breakdown of how the publisher chose to package and promote our edition. Um, and the edition that we have is Madeline's. It's lovely. It is interestingly a used Scholastic copy, and it has it has someone's name inside it that is not either of our names. It says Tasha N. Book, and then there's more that I think you probably started blacking out. No, I didn't. No? No. Okay, well then Tasha or one of her compatriots... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I love seeing a young child's furious, dark scribble attempting <laughs> to completely cover up something yeah. that they don't want you to see or that they don't want to see.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: So I assume that after you got this, you were like, I'm not Tasha, and you had worked But then on- I did a
1: really bad job of finishing the job,
0: I, if I did it. I have no idea. We'll put a picture of this up on our website, and y- y'all can help us decipher it. Okay. Um, but it is a... Hardcover dual book of the first two of the chronicles, as we mentioned, "Into the Land of the Unicorns" and "Song of the Wanderer," which is about four times as long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the the and for, it has a different font. I hate it when editions of books do that when there are different parts or different books included, and then one looks completely different than the other. Um, but we have a lovely, lush. Painting on the cover. And I think that that
1: picture was originally on the second one.
0: Yep. It does not, not fit the, the events the, of the first book. <laughs> oh, the first one. Uh, actually doesn't make any sense. Who is this woman? <laughs> what is this yeah. ball that she's holding? Well, I think we it's don't Kara. Know. She just gets
1: a little older.
0: This, I was... It's a lot older. I mean, it has to be Kara. But
1: yeah, she's in and out of the of Luster for like ever.
0: Right, but I'm saying from the perspective of a reader of Into the Land of the Unicorns, who is this woman? I
1: always assumed, well, and never mind. I'll get into this in Old New
0: Impressions. Anyway, Lightfoot is covered in curls, just cascading <laughs> across his beautiful, shimmering unicorn body. Beautiful. And squidgem is... Popping up for a little cameo behind Kara, and Kara's cloak is blending into the forest floor with a little starry overlay. I really like it. Yeah, Um, it's reminiscent a little bit of uh, those like Art Nouveau paintings of like flapper ladies and stuff where it would be really stylized yeah Um, but this one is a really cool fantasy lady and this is really fitting for the type of book that this is which is all about wonder and really wrapping you up in Mm -hmm. luster Mm -hmm. in the world that you're reading about um so i approve i don't like the graphic that they chose to border the edges of the book with it's, it's weird like a digital leaf um, it looks line. like
1: rendering of leaves in like a really early video game
0: yeah it's an odd choice and for how natural and organic the painting feels mm-hmm. um I think the overall graphic design is a little questionable but this is all I would need as a child and maybe as an adult to Dive right on it. Oh, yeah. That so, cover was
1: incredibly appealing to me. So
0: it's doing its job. Look at
1: how beautiful she looks.
0: You, too, could be this beautiful by reading a book. That's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we do thoroughly spoil every book that we cover. If you haven't read this one before or haven't visited it in a while, just hop on off, check out the audiobook or the bookity book, and come on back. Yeah. Now, Madeline, would you like to give us a brief plot summary?
1: I would. Okay, so Kara is a girl. I think, I feel like she's probably around like 12. I think in this she's book?
0: 11 or 12. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, she says that it's been eight years of time away from her parents or like since her parents abandoned her at the end of the book. Um, And that was after she was healed from an illness when she was very young. So yeah, I think she was probably two or three when that happened. So So, yeah, 11 or 12.
1: uh, She uh, has been raised by her grandmother. Doesn't really know why her parents scuttled off um, and is understandably hurt by that. So she is, the book starts super intensely, um which also grabbed me when i was a, mm-hmm. a young girl
0: this book is action packed yes
1: yeah um Kara is just out with her grandmother and she turns to her and she's like, I think there's a weird dude following us. And she expects her grandmother to be like, no, it's fine. Yeah. Such fancy. Yeah. And instead her grandma gets super
0: freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> like, Basically the last thing you ever want to experience as a kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To have
0: your authority protector. be like, oh, figure. Yeah, be like This
1: is real bad. You should be afraid. Yeah. yeah. Um, So she runs her into a church and takes off a fancy, really cool amulet from her neck. The grandmother does. Gives it to Kara. Kara knows the amulet because her grandmother's always had it. Um, And the grandma says, okay, you take this, you go to a fantasy land. It's going to be magical. There's going to be unicorns there. I'm going to ring the bell. You have to jump from the top of the tower on the 12th chime and then you will go to the fantasy land. And Kara's just like, what? It's
0: happening. I also loved mm-hmm. her getting caught up in, oh god, how many times has it been? Am I, I counting correctly? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Miss, miss, uh-
1: Which is exactly like that resonates with me very much so.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so she does it. The man she suspects may have jumped after her because the man is like screaming her name and um he does end up in the place where she goes as well, which is called Luster. Mm -hmm. Uh, First thing that happens is this weird forest goblin elf creature takes her amulet away, um, almost kills her, like almost drowns her. Um, A bear man, (laughs) (laughs) who is called the Dimble Thumb, uh, finds her and brings her back to his cave, gives her magic forest tea. It's really cool um she can't really talk to him but then a unicorn shows up his name is Lightfoot and he can help her communicate with other um beings in this world with contact so mm-hmm. they do that they uh, there is some exposition um <laughs> <laughs> Lightfoot does a little bit of explaining about what the amulet is to her. The dimble thumb actually does very quickly get it back. Mm -hmm. He goes and menaces the poor Delver that took it. Um, And then they set off after also encountering the squidgym, who is
0: a Gurgi type (laughs) character. Um, If you've read Lloyd Alexander, the Black Cauldron, you'll know who we're talking about.
1: Or perhaps I should say a Gollum-type character. Smeagol. But, right, yeah. a, a Smeagol-type character like that might be the origin of this kind this of... This type of Super character. weird, manic, uh, you know, but also yeah. kind of... Cute
0: in like a certain <laughs> In the right light. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. There are a lot of them in the books that we've just covered. A super for the podcast, common fantasy honestly. trope, yeah.
1: right? Yeah. yeah. Um uh the squidgeum is along for the ride too. And uh, I uh, Imagine the squidgeum to look like that. Have you ever seen that meme of like the horrifyingly taxidermied cat? It's white and it's going like, what? Yeah. Like its arms
0: are out. And its eyes are really white. Yeah, that's what yeah. I always
1: imagined the squidgeum to
0: look like. Wow. Um, Frightening.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I did really like the squidgeum when I was younger. So, anyways, um, they are going to find the old one because Kara's grandmother, before she was like, do all these things, and Kara's like, okay. Her grandmother said, tell the old one, find the old one and tell her that the wanderer is weary. And Kara's like, okay, I'll do that. Fine. I'll try. Um, Luckily, the person that Lightfoot, the unicorn and the dimble thumb thought she should see anyways is the queen of the unicorns who is colloquially known as the old one. So they set off to go find her. Um, during this time, Kara learns that Lightfoot is actually the Queen's grandson. So he's actually royal and he's like... It's so, some
0: kind of drama with his family. Right, like he doesn't he's want to He's an outcast to, to some extent. Them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, So they meet Delvers while they're on this journey, a group of friendly Delvers who are the exposition machine and explain to... That one Delver
0: (laughs) accomplishes a lot.
1: Yeah. um, The the captain of that Delver squad explains to our heroes that uh, the Delver king is trying to help Hunters get that amulet to be able to come to Luster and hunt the unicorns, unicorns and humans, even though they're in different worlds, they have beef, um, to be discussed. So to be beefed, to be beefed. Uh, so then they're like, Oh no. So the Delver King is like trying to help them do that. And apparently he found out that that one Delver had the amulet and lost it and did something terrible to him. We don't know what, um, so then they continue to set distant off. Distant
0: screams.
1: Yeah, distant <laughs> screams. <laughs> Mangled words. Um, they continue to set off, and I can't remember if the Dimble Thumb gets captured by Delvers before or after they talk to Grindelwald. Um, before. Okay, so Dimble Thumb gets captured by different Delvers. They meet Tom the Peddler, who is a human, who's been in the Luster. Tinker. The The Tinker, who's been in Luster for a long time. He's great. Thumbs up, Tom. He sounds like Magic Man from Adventure Time. The primary the antagonist,
0: of yeah, or one of my favorite antagonists. I, I, I should I say.
1: Love Magic Man, Adventure Time. Uh, he helps them rescue the Dimple Thumb from the Delvers, and uh, that's great. Then they go to see Grindelwald because Grindelwald is the keeper of tales, and he is a dwarf. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is another exposition
0: machine mm-hmm. and he tells I mean, it's his entire purpose right, in life story collector.
1: <laughs> he tells Kara about, um, why the unicorns and the humans have a beef and, uh, to put it succinctly a long time ago, um, a man killed a unicorn and in order to make himself sound cool, told everybody that, uh, it, fought viciously yeah,
0: ferocious beast uh,
1: yeah um and then everyone was like whoa and they had the horn and they f- realized that it could heal their people and this was a time when they the worlds like there was more easy passage between them before they sealed it up to protect the unicorns from the humans um or rather before the human the unicorns came to luster right to hide the, from yeah the that humans. was when they, the they were unicorns on Earth just lived before. together on yeah. Earth, yeah 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 um, So uh, there was a human who uh, is known as Beloved whose father was trying to kill a unicorn so he could use its horn to heal her because she was sick. Um, And a unicorn found her and tried to heal her, uh, but the hunter saw it happening and the unicorn accidentally snapped off part of its horn in Beloved's heart so she's like eternally in pain, um, but also being healed by that. The hunter died, that, that unicorn died. Uh, and so the beef was born. But I mean, the humans were already killing the unicorns. So I feel like, yeah. the, you know, it's not an equally blamable beef <laughs> on two parties. Okay, so this tale having been delivered. Oh, and Grindelwald also knew Kara's grandmother. Um, and uh, so Kara is more and more realizing that Kara's grandmother, Ivy Morris mm-hmm. um, has been plugged into this deal the whole time. Um, so then they are captured or Kara is captured by a dragon. Um, which Fire is, throat. Yeah. Which is scary. And she thinks the dragons going to kill them. But it turns out that the dragon just takes Kara to the top of her lair because someone has stolen. She did this dumb thing to protect her heart um, <laughs> where she had it like taken out and enchanted. It
0: does. Yeah, it's questionable. It's like a Horcrux type situation. Yeah, yeah, it makes me really worry about the dragon's wisdom capabilities. Um, Especially because. We don't learn that much about the dragon, but we get that fascinating moment when she says, I knew that one day when I was lost in the poetry of the skies yeah. and what the clouds were whispering to me, that someone would kill me. And I was like, are you just tripping all the,
1: the time? <laughs> like, Yeah, like, this seems like a preventable scenario. <laughs> um, okay, so the person that stole the heart and is forcing the dragon to do his bidding. da da dun, dun. It's the dude from the beginning who Kara is like, Oh my God, I know who you are. You're my dad. And he's like, bad dad. Yeah. I'm your dad. Yeah. Fantasy trope of bad dads bad dad. definitely <laughs> happening here. Um, because he is a hunter. He is a descendant of beloved. Mm. Um, he is very and much. Kara is as well. Right. Kara. And- Sorry, Kara. Um, I always thought it was Kara when I was young, too. Yeah. He is trying to kill the unicorns. He hates them. He's like, Kara, why, why are you with the unicorns? They stole you from me like your grandmother stole you from me. Because turns out her grandmother kidnapped her because she didn't want her to be raised a hunter because um, she was always friends with the unicorns. Yeah. Rough. I understand that she would feel unhappy about that. Um, and Kara officially chooses a side by she, like, falls off the mountain with her dad um, and then the dragon saves her and like poops the dad back into earth um, and then Lifefoot is like, you're okay. And then they go and get picked up by this retinue of royal unicorns who takes them to see the queen and then they meet the queen and then the book is
0: over. (laughs) And all of that final, all those pieces of action happen on one page. Yeah. It's
1: really funny. (laughs)
0: Many weeks later, after a glorious journey, they were with the queen. I appreciated that. Yeah.
1: It's like, we don't really need to see this. Let's Let's get to it. Let's meet the queen before we end this thing. Um, And such is the book.
0: Wonderful summary. Thank you so much, Madeline. Thank you, Grace. So where to begin our discussion? Let's old go through new. our old and new impressions. Um,
1: Can I go first? Yeah. Or do you want to go first?
0: Mine's going to be briefer. So I why think. don't you do yours? Yeah. I, so I don't remember this book super well. Um, I definitely did read it when I was young because something that we haven't really discussed in depth on the podcast yet is, is that, of course, we have a great affinity for dragons, but we also had a great affinity for unicorns. Mm -hmm. And I went through one period in particular when I was trying to get my hands on all the unicorn fantasy that I could come up with. There is an amazing book by Jane Yolen called Here There Be Unicorns that Mm. is a collection of her poems and stories. I remember that. that. gorgeously illustrated with these um pencil drawings um that are are just unbelievable i'm sorry i don't know the illustrator's name off the top of my head but we'll put a link to this on our website dragonbabiespodcast.com um and the last unicorn which we have an episode on and have covered um which in some ways is kind of an interesting companion piece to this book Mm. um i would say but we can talk more about that Um, yeah, so I, I did read this and enjoy it, but strangely, I don't remember it. And yet I would have moments of intense deja vu Mm -hmm. while I was rereading this, um, like certain scenes that were just violently flashing into my head. And that was, that made for a strange experience, especially when I I started reading a little of the second book because it's right here, Mm -hmm. um, and the action flows right into it and that was when I was really getting strong mental images um, of my reading. So maybe I preferred the second book. I'm not really sure.
1: The second book is like this... Or the first book is just the setup, yeah. really. Um, it's still an engaging mm-hmm. and uh, fast-paced and interesting story. Mm-hmm. But the second book is where, like, the stuff happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I do recall that. And I think rereading this um it was a bit of a hard start because i think it begins feeling like it is a story for very young readers um Mm. it feels pretty simple to at the start i would say Mm -hmm. um and i found my attention drifting um, especially because i'm just not good at audiobooks anyway, oh yeah i was gonna say, I was like to well you, you hate audiobooks <laughs> i basically had to reread the book after i listened to a lot of it okay. <laughs> audiobook. once i got my hands on Madeline's copy. um but then it actually opens up and has much more complex themes mm-hmm. uh than you would expect from the like pretty simple rising action structure and like at the beginning it just feels like okay new sidekick being introduced problem but it's resolved within a chapter yeah like everything keeps being neatly introduced and then wrapped up and it did branch off into something more sophisticated that i really enjoyed um so that that would be my main yeah my main takeaway from rereading it um but madeline i know you had a more involved relationship
1: yeah so i uh, I also had that experience because I didn't remember it super well because mm-hmm. my my memory holding of books that I read a long time ago, even ones that were super important to me, is just not great. Um, but this book was very, very important for me, not just this book but this the rest of them um because i I did think of them you know a lot as a whole. And I reread the second one a ton, but I reread this one a lot too, because I liked the setup and Mm -hmm. it was fun to go back to the beginning where Kara like was still figuring out what was happening. And before she was all, um, you know, had some magic powers of her own. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I also remember when I would read it when I was young where at first, at some parts, it would be like, "Yeah, this is definitely for me. Like this is this is a book that a parent would let me read mm-hmm. if they knew what was in it." Yeah. and you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and I, you know, I was young enough that that kind was actually quite okay censoring. for me. And then there would be parts where stuff just got really intense, and yeah. they were, but it was intense themes that I could still follow mm-hmm. and even emotionally understand, which mm-hmm. is really cool because. Mm-hmm. I read it when I was very young, mm-hmm. like young enough that a lot of stuff in fantasy like the more adult themes would just go totally over my head. Mm-hmm. Um but I could always feel very connected to this world and it's a really great world. I really like I I placed myself in it a lot and I think that my current like relaxing mental fantasy sphere um, that I retire to like mm-hmm. before I go to sleep or stuff like that is heavily informed by this book. Mm. Um, because I just like, I have this really vivid when I, when I read or heard, cause I listened to the book um, the part where she wakes up in the dimble thumbs cave and he gives her the tea uh, and there's like these vines cascading down the wall and there's this beautiful like pool and stream nearby. Yeah. And like
0: it's I could so I can picture it
1: perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would uh, like when I was doing my own little adventures in the house and especially like I would play with Patrick, our younger brother and we would like go on an adventure and then I'd be like, okay, now it's nighttime. We have to set up camp and sleep. Yeah, And he would be like, okay. And he would lie down and then I would spend like 30 minutes writing a journal entry about the adventure. And he would just keep me like, Madeline. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we did that together too sometimes, yeah. the three of us. Um, There yeah. was always a lot of writing <laughs> involved in Some of the games that we would play when we would be adventuring. Yeah. And you in particular really value being cozy and like creating a sort of nest for yourself Mm -hmm. wherever you are. Yeah. So I think that's part of the reason why you are very invested in the nighttime portion of the adventures. Yeah, because
1: I really liked that.
0: And I can totally see that being informed by this book because there is always like talk of setting up camp yeah. and like the cart that can change sizes Thomas's yes. cart yes is pretty much mm-hmm. I feel like Madeline gold little Madeline yeah. squishes going yeah through. totally um
1: and I I was really really into the squid when I was younger um I caveat
0: when I was younger not today.
1: well I didn't I didn't like the squidgegem voice in the audiobook that mm-hmm. I listened to I think if I would have read it I would have felt more happiness towards the squidgegem because I didn't imagine the squidgegem having like a high-pitched quote-unquote mm-hmm. cute voice mm-hmm. um I imagined it having more of just like a, <laughs> like kind of weird little monster thing. Um, which. Gotcha, gotcha. Right. Yeah. Just like,
0: <laughs>
1: like a little gremlin. Um, and that to me is still like very appealing. Um, I typically really like those Smeagol esque uh, characters in mm-hmm. fantasy books. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And Squidgem, what a name.
0: the squidgems repetitive words of choice are also really funny i mean i don't know what Hatcha is but But the squidgems is able to adequately express himself yeah (laughs) Yeah. and that word in particular so for a few of our mom's birthdays we the three of us madeline and Mm -hmm. our brother patrick and myself made these books that were, you know, it's kind of hard to describe exactly what they were. Theoretically, we would each take turns. Compendiums? Yeah, because it's not even really like an anthology because it would be collections of different like stories and pieces of art and poems and whatever other weird nonsense we wanted to put on the page at the time. But they would also, like, we'd take turns giving it to each other to add something, so they'd also inform one another and, like, have meta-references back to other things that had happened in other parts of the book. Yeah. There was one page where we just were basically, you know, pre- <laughs> free the rise of the internet, making our own Star Wars memes. Yeah, um, yeah. But, with,
1: uh, with stickers, with Star
0: Wars stickers that stickers, we had. I drew a very involved illustration that, that was Anakin and sand. the genie from Aladdin side by side, both oh, wow. saying, I, I hate sand.
1: I remember that. That was amazing. Um
0: And I... Huh okay, why did I bring this up? Um, Did I use Hacha in it? Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, there was a story that we were, it was one that we actually took turns writing the same story. Like we were each writing a line of dialogue or like a sentence and you had a character that said Hacha (laughs) over and over over again. And I don't know if I ever connected the two. I don't think so because I
1: remember you just being like, why, what's, what are you doing? Like what is your, What is the objective here?
0: You know, just experimenting (laughs) Uh, with early creative collaboration. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, So yeah, Hot Joe is definitely a big influence on you at the Squid Gym.
1: And in my... I'm sure I've talked about this in an episode before. Really exciting stuff here. Um, I used to write these, um, like, stories, tales. I would... (laughs) I would type Chronicles. Yeah, I would type them in Microsoft Word. So I was really into like switching to Wingdings for a section.
0: Like, Madeline's font mastery. Was incredible.
1: I loved Messi yeah, font. Yeah, you
0: really did. They were
1: like these fourth wall breaking stories about yeah. a turtle, the stupid turtle. The stupid that turtle with his title just being I messed. have one.
0: You have one? Here. Okay, sadly, after a brief search, I can't find my copy of The Adventures of the Stupid Turtle, but it will surface we'll and it. we'll post it um,
1: so, I basically was just using the the device of writing to mess with the stupid turtle, and mm-hmm. that's what the stories were about, yeah. like the world, the refusing to act in. Comforting and predictable ways.
0: I think, yeah, it was very like stinky cheese man oh, informed yeah. Yeah. Um, no, where the author point. is messing with the characters and they're entering into a conflict because of that. And there was a Smeagol type character mm-hmm.
1: named Mogo. Oh Ooh. my God.
0: Mogo. <laughs> Mogo. Thank you. That's why I was thinking of Hacha. It's Mogo. Yes.
1: Because I think Mo- oh, Mogo God. was... Not just by the squid because yeah. like we've said, there's a lot of these types of characters mm-hmm. in fantasy, mm-hmm. um, but definitely at least in part wow. informed by the squid gym, who would just show up and like ruin a bunch <laughs> of stuff. And I would I would like do a like whoo of like O's in the text <laughs> and make them get like point five font bigger <laughs> each one. Like I loved doing that stuff. Great times. Yeah.
0: Word processing, you yeah. know?
1: Yeah, just, <laughs> just, just fun for your average kid.
0: I just, I wish we could share with the children of today the joy and excitement of having a computer with a word processor and that being all you needed.
1: Have having a, great a computer time. with nothing on it that is for children. No. but But you make it for children. <laughs> you figure out how. To make it into like, oh, this is so funny and weird. Yep, yep. The, the joy of like typing out cuss words and then changing the <laughs> font to Wingdings and then be like, Eh-eh-eh-h-h-h.
0: diving deep into all the clip art that was included yes, with the yes. early version of or Word, t- 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 taunting the paperclip, <laughs> <laughs> messing with Clippy. Truly, we oh boy. got a lot of mileage oh out of early Microsoft Word. Yep, yep. yep. So that's
1: my uh, expanded old and new impressions. I enjoyed this the second time through as well. And I'm, I think I'm going to read the rest of them now.
0: Thank you very much for reminding me of Mogo's name because mm-hmm. that was where I kept going back to like Madeline's Hatcha character. Who was it? Yep, that's who it was. Bruce Coville, I think is very much a YA author. And it's interesting because a lot of the books we read, I think we come to the conclusion that like, you Know we wouldn't necessarily say this is YA because right. we've also come to the decision that YA doesn't really mean much right. of anything, mm-hmm. especially when applied to fantasy. Right? Fantasy books can be enjoyed by humans, exactly. Um, and but Bruce Coville is different from a lot of authors we've covered because he is super, super, super prolific. Um, mm, yeah, he that's has true. over a hundred books that he's written, wow. um, and he. By no means covers fantasy only. Right. Um, although I do feel like, well, his books that I knew were fantasy because that was what That's I was what interested I wanted to in. Read. Um, and he is someone who, um, his Wikipedia says while waiting to publish his first novel, he was employed in a number of professions, including toy maker, grave digger, cookware salesman, assembly line worker an elementary school teacher and I feel like all of that informed a rich understanding of the world and the people that inhabit it and I think that really comes out in his books Um, and something Bruce Govell is also Tamara Pierce's writing partner um, which I knew because I've seen her reference him in interviews before when I've been doing research for this pod Um, and that just warms my heart in particular the first time i saw it come up was an interview with her about her numera book um Mm. which like something's wrong with me i can never remember the name of it i just had to turn around tempest and slaughter her book that came out in 2018
1: i just picture the dripping gold feather
0: i know i don't know why i can't remember the name um but i read an interview with her about it where she said that she was trying to figure out how to write you know a young boy going through puberty which she had done many times with her female characters mm-hmm. but she wanted to try to do it accurately so to inform the scene where she writes about um little oh yeah <laughs> new learning about uh you know nighttime feelings yeah. and morning occurrences experiences <laughs> Um and she said she talked to her writing partner, Bruce yeah. Cobalt. And it was learn really well done.
1: I really, really appreciate it because I have not gone through puberty as a male-bodied person. Mm-hmm. I went through a female-bodied person's puberty. Mm-hmm. So like and I don't know if I've ever read somehow. Like the equivalent, I think it's because it's something particular that Tamara Pierce does. And it's Mm -hmm. not that like, there's like puberty light in a lot of fantasy. Yeah, in most. But she goes really into it Mm -hmm. and is just, she goes really into it and she's just open and honest about it, which I feel like is so important.
0: Totally agree. She, I'll never get over Alana's, um... Avoiding pregnancy charm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've we talked get, about get this. get me one of those, man. <laughs> we talk about this quite a bit in our all of our Tamra Pierce episodes, of which there are many. So go check those if out. It's a fantasy <laughs>
1: podcast first, and a Tamra Pierce podcast second. That's right. Diana <laughs> Wynne
0: Jones podcast third. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> those are our priorities. Um, if you look at our back catalog, I'm sure you can pick that up pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and Bruce Kovell is also a queer author, oh, which cool. I thought informed a lot of the themes about your family being people who love and care for you rather than people that you are related to by Mm -hmm. blood, Um, which I thought was a pretty, you know, it's a fairly sophisticated theme for Mm. a book that especially starts out feeling like it is for pretty young readers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really appreciated the fact that Kara sees immediately that her father is acting out of something that she doesn't wish to be a part of. Yeah. Um, and says again and again throughout the book that she already feels this familial connection and bond yeah. with her new friends that she's made on this journey and the way that they've protected her and cared for her Yeah. in a way that her parents have almost never done no. or haven't done for years um and i really really appreciated the inclusion of that yeah. yeah um his wikipedia page also says that when it's talking about his bisexuality it cites a book called the letter q queer writers letters to their younger selves which Aww. sounds awesome yeah. and i really want to check it out um which was compiled in 2012 yeah so future reading cool. um so Talking a little bit more about um, those other complex themes, I appreciated the kind of question of, like, who's good and who's bad? And the concept of the unicorns being painted as brutal and fierce and, you know, savages. And it really reminded me of a lot of white narratives about colonialists and it's uh, particularly totally <laughs> the united states of america and the treatment of native americans yeah. by uh, the white colonizers and oppressors um and i felt like it was a really direct parallel between the two um yeah i, th- I think that's a really good point and uh, i do uh, it, there is a moment in the book of frustration where it's just like, but this is all a big misunderstanding between the unicorns and the hunters. But it's so clear that the hunters want to hunt. And right. I then, mean, the
1: the first person, he still killed a unicorn, right?
0: Exactly. And in that moment, it's, you know, the narrator or Grindelwald, I guess, who's telling the story says that he, what's his name? I thought it was
1: Grindelwald. Grimwald, isn't it? Oh, okay. Sorry. I th- I think
0: that's the bank in Harry
1: Potter. Grin- yeah, I think we've been seeing Wait, Grindelwald? No, Grindelwald? What's Grindelwald?
0: Grindelwald is from the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them series. Ah. It's the character oh, played by right. Johnny Depp.
1: Right. Okay.
0: In the movie. i <laughs> so,
1: so disappointed right now. No, I just I just
0: wish I don't want to think or talk about J.K. Rowling right now. I honestly. I know. Um and just, I just wish that Johnny Depp didn't still have a career, so it makes me angry when these huge budget, big projects cast him. J.K. Rowling has also like stood behind the casting of him in the past. I know. Just, yeah, it's just basically making every bad decision that you possibly could. I literally said to someone earlier
1: this week, isn't it great that J.R.R. Tolkien uh, never didn't live in an age or live long enough to completely make himself look like a butt. (laughs) (laughs) Like that was all old timey stuff. Like he had scholarly writings, not a Twitter feed, like nothing to make him look asinine.
0: And I also do think that Tolkien, I mean, I've just been thinking a lot lately about the way that he wrote masculinity Mm. and the, his characters mm-hmm. um, and the way that they express their gender mm-hmm. I think it's a lot more nuanced and oh, totally filled with warm affection and also exploration of their own feelings well, right and than his, it, so many other male characters like in any genre his
1: I mean, Lord of the Rings has so many beautiful male friendships in it, like very, very lovely ones. And that is pretty cool to see, like minus toxic masculinity.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know, from that perspective, it's like, would he even be saying gross stuff? I'm not <laughs>
1: saying that if he did have a
0: Twitter feed, he would have
1: embarrassed himself. He probably just would have posted, like, runes. No, exactly. <laughs> I know.
0: I know it would just be, like, reposts of BBC articles about, like, architectural, ar- not architectural, archaeological yeah, things. Like, yeah. in Norway. No, totally.
1: Because he was, a like, a very, very, like, professorly, yes. loved the a countryside scholar. and loved, like, natural landscapes and you know so yeah anyways
0: um but you know i think it makes sense that we're talking about all these other fantasy authors and their worlds because luster is like prime fantasy world building Mm -hmm. um yeah it's so it just wants to like wrap you up in a warm hug this is a
1: really short book and it it gives you a super good handle on the Mm -hmm. world
0: yeah, it really does.
1: This is very well done world building. I
0: think especially because it does feel, I, I don't mean to be so down on the beginning, but I think I just got worried that we had picked a book that was too, for too young an audience. Um, and because I didn't remember it very well, and mm-hmm. also was struggling with, with <laughs> the to an audiobook, <laughs> um, I, I just, yeah, I, I wasn't feeling gripped by it. But then things took a turn for me and suddenly Mm -hmm. I I was totally entranced by luster. So like I was coming at it from a kind of biased place and then I still got completely pulled in by the end. Um, So talking a little bit more about unicorns. um, It's interesting because we don't, the unicorns are more of like a framing device and a historical question in this book Mm -hmm. than an actual presence. I mean, Lightfoot is there throughout the story But it's more we don't learn all that much about him. Like at this point, we don't really know why he's sort of a royal outcast and Mm -hmm. why he's reluctant to return to the queen and the court. I don't remember
1: what happens in there. And this this is an
0: inherent flaw in our podcast because we only cover one book per episode. Sometimes. Excuse me. Sometimes we do continue on with series. We just covered the Queen of Atolia, the second book in the Queen's Thief series by Megan Whalen Turner, for example. Um, but we do only cover the one book's events. We can't possibly reread a, a whole series yeah. before we do. I the think we episode. should do the
1: second book in this sometime, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be interested in in covering mm-hmm. that too.
1: Yeah, um, but I think that if I recall correctly, Lightfoot it gives kind of a he's important because he's a unicorn adolescent mm-hmm. and Kara is a human adolescent. So, they right. kind of, like, so the grow two of them together. have a connection. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Although it's interesting now because she's going to be a lot less dependent on him because she can speak all the languages in Lester. They stay bros. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I do. I mean, what a gift from Fire Throat I know. to uh, uh, be able to speak everyone's language. No, I, I would a like that gift. To do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the best with languages. You're very good with languages. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that frustration of like, if only I could do better. Yeah. just wears its head all the time. Right. Um, and yeah, the communication that, that would foster is just pretty awesome. Um, so that, that's some definitely, that's some dragon badassery that I can get behind. Like, yeah, yeah, drink my blood, Mm -hmm. gain the power of language, universal language. (laughs) Um, pretty cool. It's a really great moment. Uh, really, Firethroat left quite an impression on me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's a dragon that I can enjoy.
1: For Firethroat's non foresightedness, I do like. I think we can ascribe it more to just Firethroat kind of not living in the same headspace as other beings mm-hmm. because of what and who Firethroat is. Firethroat does seem uh, pretty
0: cool. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but back to unicorns. Um, <laughs> so, like I mentioned, we have an episode on The Last Unicorn by Peter S. Beagle, um, w- in which we go deeper into the discussion of kind of the presentation of unicorns in fantasy and the different realizations of what a unicorn might be like. Mm-hmm. Um I like I like the unicorns here this is another reason why yeah I agree we should cover this second book because I'm curious about their society We learn much more about yeah. the human societies than the unicorn society um, and we see things like Lightfoot healing um, and that expression of unicorn power um, but not too much is explored beyond that about the unicorns so we truly have just entered. The land of the unicorns. It's
1: true, and I one thing I thought was just really the tip. funny. tip is oh dear, thinking about the horn. I know, <laughs> I'm um, sorry. I know you are I'm sorry <laughs> because Lightfoot puts the tip of his yeah. horn, in Kara's.
0: Yeah, that's truly what I was trying to say. No,
1: it is. I'm not trying to make a, okay. a horrible joke. You can cut this out if you want. Uh, um, okay. you are the arbiter. <laughs> When Lightfoot said, uh, when Kara said the name of her grandmother and she's like, is she someone important to you? Because like she has this really magical special MacGuffin. She like she (laughs) must be uh, some kind of, yeah, important figure. And Mm -hmm. Lightfoot is like, oh, Ivy Morris, it sounds familiar. I should have paid more attention in history. I I know. What does a unicorn classroom look like?
0: I got stuck on that line too, especially because there are all these great moments reminding us that unicorns don't have hands. Yes, like the point when life was like, oh, I wish I could write something down. Yes, um, and talking it uh, when Grimwald. Sorry, we have totally been saying the wrong name uh, throughout <laughs> the rest. Bums. When Grimwald is talking through the unicorn history, Grimwald says. They couldn't record anything because of those dang hoofs, but they communicated really well. So they kept all the tales alive. <laughs> it
1: was an oral tradition.
0: Exactly. An oral tradition. So I
1: imagine a unicorn classroom must just be like big, nice, uh, comfortable seating places for each unicorn. How
0: does a unicorn sit? Would they rather stand? Like a horse. You know, yeah.
1: Like, so they each just have a big, nice, cushy spot. And then, unicorn cushion. Yeah. And then they listen to the (laughs) professor lecture who's at the front of the room, clip clapping around.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And Kara gets to ride on Lightfoot at one point, Mm -hmm. um, which is, I think, the first time that we hear from him that he's different from his elders and family because he's like, doesn't she say like will the queen think this is disrespectful oh, if yeah. i'm riding on you and he's like huh i don't care what they think yeah <laughs> um also uh the, one of the it made me laugh out loud um when the uh, 12 royal unicorns appear at the end of the book yeah to escort to, them escort to, them to the, the queen. queen um and lightfoot's just like oh that's my uncle <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah no it's really
0: great it just immediately becomes a sullen teen yeah. like, oh god I didn't want to see him oh this is really ruining <laughs> my whole this is embarrassing deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty great yeah so I appreciated that yeah, um, yeah and and like I said I, I'd like to learn more about these unicorns or relearn it because yep this information was in my brain at one point but it's certainly not there not anymore, anymore. Um, other discussions. Let's, uh, touch on animals just like animals in this book, um, which are mostly, uh, speaking sort of humanoid <laughs> creatures. Um, Dimble Thumb is described as a man bear multiple times. He's like a,
1: a Bjorn or a
0: Bjornling or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Bjorning, I think. Um, but, he, but he's... He, he's not a, you know, shapeshifter or anything oh, like no, that. Oh, no, no, no. But he just looks like he's like a man bear. He's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was agreeing <laughs> with you. Um, and Dimblethum has some funny characteristics, like speaking in the third person. Yeah. Um, and just generally being like very growly and fuzzy. Um, and probably the most appealing part of the book. From a physical perspective, is when he holds Carol while they're walking because she gets tired and yeah. then she just passes out. Yeah, and it's like it's okay, can a cushion. bear carry me through a forest while I, know, I sleep? Right? Because that sounds pretty that's what nice. I've been waiting for yeah. as a poor sleeper, I'm always on the lookout for you know an environment that seems like it might help. <laughs> that sounds great. you found it sounds great. Sadly, I can never realize it. Um, and we've already talked at length about Squidgem yeah. but uh, yeah Squidgem not only coming from a long running uh, smeagol gurgy fantasy tradition but also just reminds me of like in every Disney movie how there oh, is totally. a small wacky sidekick yeah. animal that mm-hmm. gets up to mischief and provides comic relief yeah. um, and when Kara is playing fetch with Squidgem I was like why is this happening I know yeah <laughs> Like, y'all are going through a lot right now, but yeah, fine. If you need a little lighthearted fetch, just go for it. Um, And I think that's...
1: Yeah, because most of the animals are, like, the magical creatures that we've already talked
0: about. Yeah, that we've covered. Delvers? What are Delvers? Do we get a discussion of, like, what their species is? Well, I
1: think that they're... They're some kind of, like, goblin. Yeah. um, And they are also a newer addition to this world, it seems like. (laughs) You
0: know what I actually am realizing? I was picturing them as um, the whiz robes from Breath of (laughs) the Wild. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's not what they look like. I know. It's totally wrong. um, But I hate whiz robes. One of my Breath of the Wild pictures is... (laughs) You know, that you can take with the camera in the game Um, because I'm trying to get 100% in my save file. So you have to take pictures of every enemy. Wow. And one of my pictures, my Wizrobe picture is like (laughs) super close up as a Wizrobe was trying to attack me. And it's just its red eyes and then its black gaping forehead with its little pointy head. Terrifying. This is terrifying it's thing. Amazing. Oh I, my I don't God. know. I guess so. From that perspective, I guess I was thinking of the Delphers. I don't know.
1: Whiz robes <laughs> like really whiz-robes. scare me. Like, I really? don't like I them. I think they're kind of funny. No, they they freak me out.
0: Because
1: <laughs> they're just like this pitch blackness <laughs> under mm-hmm. their garments. Like, what's under there?
0: Pretend food. Pretend food because this is a journeying book yeah. um we don't have there's not like a feast or anything Yeah, don't have any good feasts. I'm god, more and more I'm feeling like I want to cover another Brian Jakes book because <laughs> I am just craving some, you know, gourmet nut food. Yeah. Um but there are some lovely elixirs and teas and healing beverages. Yeah, there's a lot of potions. I also marked the page on which Kara eats a root. Mm. They had stopped to sleep twice, at which times Kara had been fed nuts and berries and a kind of root the squidgum dug up, which, sidebar, are you sure you want to eat that? Where
1: did he get it from?
0: <laughs> what is it? She had asked the first time he came scampering up with one of the dark brown roots in his paws and handed it to her. We call it Tarka, replied Lightfoot. <laughs> i I'm a <laughs> uh, second sidebar. We don't mean to bash the audiobooks so much. I think it was just meant for like a younger listener than us maybe. Yeah. And a cool tidbit is that Bruce Koval actually founded Fullcast Audio, the group that creates the Fullcast Unbridged Audiobooks for Young Adults series um, that did the Circle of Magic series um, we listened to. And Josh's they did, book. I think
1: they've done, like, all of Tamara Pierce's books.
0: I think so, yeah, because Tamara and uh, Bruce Coble are And I friends. really, really
1: enjoy those a lot. And
0: I love having the authors doing the narration, too. That that did add something special. I thought Bruce Coble's narration was great. Yes. Um, the pacing of the audiobook in general was just a little... A little off for me no, um, off. but uh, Lightfoot said twist it and see what happens when she did as he directed the roots snubbly husk popped open revealing a crisp white interior try it to her surprise it tasted like sweet almonds good she said smiling at the squitchche that sounds good yeah yeah hatcha like it
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's <laughs> My squid.
0: what's a more chaotic energy yeah, yeah, yeah i can I can get behind that um Smeagol-esque, that's right, but that sounds delicious um I would eat a sweet almond root for sure, yeah, it sounds awesome sounds very nourishing, especially for a journey, but yeah, and the tea that
1: the dingle ding the the dingle hopper <laughs> <laughs> the dimble thumb is the no dimble difference. thumb. <laughs> Gives her when she first wakes up. Sounds
0: truly lovely. I also wanted to read the passage where Kara drinks unicorn treated water. Oh, yeah. Um, which sounded so refreshing. Kneeling, she cupped her hands in the water, which was crystal clear and lifted some to her lips. It was like drinking diamonds. Sidebar. Wow. That that doesn't sound good, actually. <laughs> drinking diamonds sounds extremely painful. Sounds kind of scary. And dangerous. She drank more, dipping her hands greedily into the stream. Greedily. When she was full, more than full, she rinsed her face and turned to Lightfoot to ask him what he had done with the water. And then there's an action scene, <laughs> which come they come up frequently. Yeah, <laughs> this um, one. I, I think also, this is a good book for a kid who's reluctant to read.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, because it's so interesting, like so fast paced. Yeah. Um, I also really like when she drank the dragon's blood. That was really cool.
0: Yeah, that was very exciting and it's all fiery and her body stiffens and she's like, "Whoa, I can understand, you know, (laughs) exactly what she's like. So I, yeah, I appreciate the magic of this pretend food. Um, And just based on that root alone, I'd love to hear more about what people eat when they're scavenging out in these forests. So maybe that awaits us in the second book. Yeah. And now for our badass lady meter. Um, we are reclaiming the word badass to mean whatever you would like it to mean. And we
1: generally pick a female identified person for the lady, but it's not a rule.
0: Certainly isn't. Madeline, do you have a badass lady in mind?
1: My badass lady is Tom the Takerer. <laughs> and I.
0: Thomas? Is a breath of fresh air. I love it. Yeah. From the moment he shows up, he's so cheerful. He is so intent on helping; like he really wants to assist them, and not yeah. for any ulterior motive. And like, what a guy! He's really got his thing going on. Yeah, in the he voice. just like he has
1: figured. His ish mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Like really he have. is doing his best thing and he is like so cheerful and happy about it. Like he just has very positive energy. I like Tom a lot. Um, and I remember I love
0: that you're calling him Tom as if the two of you are friends. <laughs> I don't think he's called anything other than Thomas in the book.
1: Maybe he's called Tom in later books. Maybe. I don't know. I just thought of him as Tom. Just Tom, you
0: know. I love the description of his appearance, like, bald bald and bearded with a patchwork coat. Uh, Yeah, he sounds lovely. I I was very into him. And the fact that the audiobook, um, he literally sounded exactly like Tom Kenny's Magic Man performance. Like, (laughs) the intonation... And the delivery, really the tone—it <laughs> was the same, and that also just drives home that Magic Man is such a bizarre
1: character. But I love it—the fact that he so could much. speak exactly
0: the same way as this like super helpful, sweet tinkerer wandering through the forest—is nuts to me. But anyway, we'll put we'll put a, a, a our favorite Magic Man clip up on our website as well: DragonBabiesPodcast.com.
1: My rating. Tom the Tinker is that's where I blow my nose all
0: day (laughs) adventure time fans get it I have to say I've had a cold for almost three weeks now and I think about that line all the time whenever I'm forming a little tissue pile (laughs) oh great great (gasps) nonsensical writing (laughs) thank you um I am going to make my badass lady, Ivy, Kara's grandmother. Cool. cool. Um, I like it when we avoid the main I character. I love avoiding <laughs> the protagonist. <laughs> we didn't talk about Kara too much in this episode, and I think it's she because... She doesn't get much characteristics in she's, this. I think, I think she's, she's very a much a cipher. A, exactly what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. She is an every woman, every man, every character for all the kids reading the book and who want to be in this
1: world right and that's super important because yeah. that's totally what I did
0: and like I used her as me exactly it did. Bruce Coville did an amazing job with that. Let, like I was saying, he knows how to write books for young readers. He does a really, really good job mm-hmm. um, in making it both accessible and also complex enough to be fulfilling mm-hmm. um, and then just so enjoyable yeah. along the way. Like mm-hmm. this book has everything that a young fantasy reader would want. Totally. Um, and like I said, even someone who's maybe not interested in reading I would enjoy this yeah. um but Kara also she doesn't have any magic powers like you mentioned she's just like a regular kid mm-hmm. um she has this you know bloodline that she's trying to distance herself from so that's not informing who she is right um and I like that I, yeah. can, I can always get behind that that's <laughs> it's one of the reasons why in rereading Tamara Pierce's books to mm. return to that discussion um I uh, as an adult actually find Kel to be my favorite character where Alana was when I was young.
1: And I'll still, I mean, I think Dane will always be my favorite, but yeah, I, I adore Kel. And I think that her book was, her series was a lot more formative for me than I realized. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, Tamara Pierce corner.
0: (sighs) Ah, um, so back to Ivy, Kara's grandmother. Um, she, does an amazing job in the opening, which is the only time she is actually present on the page, although she' discussed quite a bit throughout the book um of getting her granddaughter to safety. She has been caring for her granddaughter after as her dad frames it, kidnapping her but actually providing her with a safer and not like violence and revenge based bloodline that she has to, where she has to like carry on the work. Yeah, exactly. Um, even if it's, you know, not abusive in the sense that you would normally think like she's still going to be forced into this life Mm -hmm. of killing unicorns. Yeah. And I really appreciate her grandmother doing everything that she does for her. And, I uh, would love to hear more about Ivy's time in luster. I love the little tidbit when <laughs> Kara's talking to Grimmel and is like, my grandmother has a picture of you on and her dressing." And you dresser. just like, oh yeah, the, the, Grimold's the ladies like, always love me. The ladies have enjoyed me. She's <laughs> like,
1: okay. Freaking weirdo. <laughs> like, what? This human child yeah. says that to you and you're just like... <laughs>
0: I am a hot story collecting dwarf, yeah. so... um. And it sounds like Ivy was there when she was young too. So love to get, get her back with Kara. I think that Ivy is the wanderer. Yeah. Of the prophecy that Kara has brought to the queen. It's not actually a prophecy, but But the message, Um, a prophecy and that we know that that's going to lead to the next piece of action. And I'm excited for the, yeah, the wanderer to come home to Lester. Maybe she can drink out of the pool. (laughs) Like, come on
1: now. Um, if she really did something that special, there's like, oh, go to Earth now. Go, you know, get old and die.
0: Okay. <laughs> Some strange bitterness centering me. I episode. just.
1: I've, and I don't, like, I keep saying it. I remember. You it mean, happens. like, because
0: Thomas does something and he gets drink right. from the pool and lives so, like, longer? I,
1: just, I can't remember why ivy doesn't get that and i don't i I remember being disappointed on her behalf before so
0: we'll see what happens Um, also, love Thomas's line about like, no, it won't like make me live forever. Which I'm kinda kind of happy about because that sounds yeah. upsetting. That which sounds is like a curse. A sentiment that I have always been able to get behind. Oh, because totally. Yeah, immortality would make me confront all of my deepest, darkest fears. I'd rather die. So yeah. <laughs> thankfully, I'm going to.
1: <laughs> I mean, getting more time is attractive, but living right. forever sounds extended like, life sounds sounds like good. a curse.
0: Although, honestly, extended life right now in 2020 is a little... Is anybody going to have an extended life? bit of a frightening concept, too. Um, My badass lady meter for Ivy is one that Madeline just gave me in this discussion, which is a sip from the Queen's Pool. Yeah, get it, Ivy. So I think that wraps up our discussion of Into the Land of the Unicorns by Bruce Coville. This was not a request, but we do have very, very many requests and we're working through the list. And in fact, our next book, which I will announce now, was a request from multiple listeners. It is going to be Oversea Under Stone by Susan Cooper, which has been requested awesome by many of you. And we are excited to dive into it. Yeah. Um, if you have a request, you can email us at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com. Or you can hop on our website and leave us a note there, dragonbabiespodcast.com. We'll also put up a picture of our edition of the book, as well as all the other goodies we've mentioned during this episode. Or you can connect with us on Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast or on Twitter at dragonbabiespod. We love hearing from you. We really appreciate you listening and engaging with us on these books. It's super cool to have this niche little community.
1: <laughs> it makes us feel very
0: good. It really does. So, so thank you. Thank you all. We look forward to many more books in the year 2020. Yep. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, folks. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. Goodbye.